You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris, and today I am joined with Jungle Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, going great. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. We've just been so blessed lately with, you know, what we're saying, these animal celebrities. And, and I know, like, <laughs> you and Rick and Stephanie kind of blush. You're like, oh, come on, I'm not an animal yeah, celebrity. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I'm far from it, <laughs> especially especially compared to those two. Like, those, those guys yeah. are some, you know, inspirations. <laughs> they are. They are. But, I mean, you're getting there, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. you've got a following on YouTube. You've got a following on Instagram. You're, I, I would say not just, you know, take away the blush, but you're definitely an animal educator, right? Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, my first question is, I guess, just who is Jungle Jordan? Just a brief intro on who you are and what you're doing. So, so me, Jungle Jordan is me, uh, Jordan Beasley. I am just a zookeeper. And wildlife educator. Um, so Jungle Jordan is my social media, um, persona or, you know, it's like my entity, I guess. And I have Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and I post educational videos, clips, um, about different you know, animal species and fun, fun facts about animals. I have a few different, you know, fun segments like Minute Monday where I talk about an animal in under a minute. And that's like really fun for me. I really enjoy that segment because I get to learn more about animals. While I do that, um, oh, well, I guess that's, well, so I, I guess that's, that's pretty much what I do with, with my social media. Um, I just try to be a presence and, you know, just educate people about animals. It, okay. So this past, I just, I don't know what it is, Jordan, this past year, it just, you know, the, the more we talk to people like yourself and it just seems like there's this community that is growing and getting bigger and louder. I, I see it on Instagram, you know, zookeeper Lauren, zookeeper Rick, mm. now jungle mm. Jordan. You know, I, I see all these different people popping up, educating the public. And I think it's so critical what you're doing. Do you feel like there's, there's kind of this groundswell movement of like, Hey, we need to get out there and start screaming at the rafters. What's going on in the world? You, you know, I, I think, uh, I think I've definitely noticed a huge change just with the addition of social media and just how big the reach is with all these different platforms. It just makes it easier. And especially social, you know, with the, with the whole, 
you know, trend of social media and video spreading, we, a lot of the, a lot of the world is now seeing what's happening across the world, like with mm-hmm. climate change and, and all these certain things that are happening to, to different species with deforestation and, and like, like for, for instance, polar bears with, you know, snow or with the ice uh, melting like very airily and they don't really have any hunting grounds, things like that. Like, you know, the world is seeing it now. And mm-hmm. there are, there have been a few voices to help spread that, you know, um, and, and, and everyone I feel like has been trying to come together and, you know, get their say to help continue to spread this word, spread that word for conservation. Um, it's, right. it's really it, nice. It, yeah. And it, it's, you know, because not one one person can do it by themselves. You know, I mean, right. you have a Jane, you have a Jane Goodall, you have a David Attenborough. You know, they're huge, mm-hmm. like they're huge, mm-hmm. and people listen to them and they get their message out, and they're like, okay, that's nice, but there's they're two people. But when you have right. a Jungle Jordan on social media, or Zookeeper Rick, or Stephanie Arney, you know, Corbin right. Maxey, all these people out there spreading the same message, just different ways. I right. think it's really starting to make an impact. I mean, are you seeing that? It- I, I definitely am. I, I honestly feel like, you know, we have a network like, like myself, Rick and, and Stephanie. I do, I do message uh, Corbin every now and then. Um, but like, like to say, for instance, Stephanie and, and, uh, Rick and Mallory. I don't know if you know Mallory Lindsay. Um, She's next. Yep. <laughs> She's okay. <laughs> so we, we have a little group that we created where we share ideas of how to continue to spread our message via social media. And, you know, we just, we just share those ideas. We collaborate on videos and things like that. And, and it really helps. And I have seen a difference. I feel like I have noticed, you know, just walking around the zoo more. I just hear more knowledge coming from people about like what's happening in the, in the world. And it's mostly kids that I've noticed. Kids are really, really intelligent about everything that's happening in the world. They know about poachers. They know about deforestation. They know about fires. They know about everything. It's, it's, it's insane. Like, agriculture, all that stuff. They, they, they are familiar with, with what's happening with our environments. It's, it's true. It's true. I think, you know, that, that generation coming up, the green generation, you know, I know they haven't really been tagged yet, but I think for them, they, is that what we're calling it? I don't know. I just, what I want to call them <laughs> the <nature laughs> generation, but they, they care. And, and the thing is, you know, for our listeners that are older, we can't wait for them to save us. We have to save right. them. You know, right. it's going to be too late if we wait till they're in positions where decision makers or policy makers, you know, so. The, yeah, there yeah. won't be anything left for them to save. Right, right. I mean, oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Scary. Anyways. Sorry, <laughs> so, kind of morbid. <laughs> no, 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 I know it is. It's always like, we're always like bad news. But the good news is there's people like you out there fighting uh, to, to spread this knowledge. So I guess what. You know, give me a quick background on you, where you grew up, and where your interest in conservation began. Okay, so me, I grew up in South Seattle, Washington. Um, I, you know, that's 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 my whole life. I've lived here in, in Seattle my whole life. Um, I always, as a kid, I would always be in my backyard. You know, like bird watching. I had these little mini binoculars, like little kid binoculars, I would use and watch. Um, I had these, uh, there was a nesting pair of eagles in my backyard that was, that was in this huge tree and they would come back every year and they raise their little eaglets 
and they and I was it was always fun to watch them fly off and, and grow and learn how to fly. It was really cool to see because um, I there was this Lake Washington nearby. Um, it was always nice to see them catch fish and fly back. And I would look in the look in our little garden at, at bugs. I would you know I would monitor every single bird that flew in the backyard. But my little um, I had a little bird ID book. One of the little was it, not Webster's. What's the uh, oh gosh I can't oh. think of the name now. The main, Audubon. the main, yeah, the, the Audubon, Audubon thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. the Audubon book. And, um, I just go through that. And a little bit of backstory about me is that I grew up with, uh, severe anger management problems. Um, so I was, I was kind of seen as, as the odd guy. Uh, you know, the fact that I liked animals and people thought it was funny to make me mad because it was a very quick temper and it was like a, like a switch. So people thought that was funny to make me upset. And it caused me to get, you know, suspended from schools and fights and expelled and things like that. But, and my mom saw that I was always, I was always happy around animals and I was never upset. I was always a smiley. I was always a smiley kid, but I was <laughs> always happy around animals. There was nothing that you could do to me when I was in that element. And so my mom thought it was, you know, necessary to get me involved somehow. So she connected with Willow Park Zoo um, when I was 11 years old and, you know, kind of begged and, and pleaded to see if they could get me involved somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I became a volunteer at 11 in the family farm wow. area. And I had basically had like a, had like a zookeeper chaperone with me at all times in the, in that area. Cause I was way too young. Um, <laughs> I mean, like yeah, I yeah, was, yeah. A, I was a good, I was a good kid, but I was, you know, it's 11 is not the age that they just have volunteers. And I think that was a first and probably an only. Um, mm-hmm. so a few years later, they created a program called ZooCore. And, uh, so I was able to join that at 13 or 14 and that's their teen volunteer program. Because they, they realized that they, they had a need, obviously, you know, cause there were a lot of kids that, like me that wanted to do similar things. And so I've been around animals since I was 11 years old, like in that, in the zoo capacity. Um, and, uh, you know, went to University of Washington, got my bachelor's degree in wildlife conservation, um, had a few different zookeeper jobs, point to find just about every zoo in Washington almost. Yeah. <laughs> point to find yeah. zoo and aquarium. I, well, I was an intern there, uh, Northwest Trek Wildlife Park and Willow Park Zoo. I was also a primate technician, um, at, at, for, for University of Washington. Um, so there was, there was a lot of different, uh, things that I did to gain some experience, a lot of different levels, um, before zookeeper. I even did my, um, my, uh, senior thesis for University of Washington on Komodo dragons at Willow Park Zoo. It was mm-hmm. on environmental enrichment. And the goal was to see if I can get them, get the dragons more uh, active during the day and, you know, more stimulated during the day. Oh, um, they're amazing. They're amazing. They are super awesome. They're amazing <laughs> animals. And I, uh, they, all of them, all the ones that, well, the, not all of them, the, the two that were there when I was doing the project, uh, sadly did finally pass away. They made it quite a bit. It was Loki and Salat. Uh, shout out to them. <laughs> they were, yeah. those were two amazing dragons. For those that know them, they were pretty amazing. It's listening to your story though. It, it's, you know, as a young kid and, you yeah. know, I, I went, I talked about this with Stephanie, like my involvement as a young kid at San Diego Zoo and 
seeing animals and watching Mutual of Omaha back in the 70s. And right. <laughs> yeah. was I alive? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Probably not. I'm, Probably not. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> way back when, way back when. Yeah. But, you know, how it seems like the animals totally change the trajectory of your life. I mean, is that like a good assessment? Yeah. Um, they, they did. I mean, only, well, also just because growing up where I grew up, uh, animals, that wasn't really a thing, you know, mm-hmm. in my neighborhood, that's big, you know, there was like all these stereotypes about, you know, African-Americans being, you know, scared of animals and all this and that. And like, just, just from what like TV showed us that we shouldn't be around animals. Because if you think about like when in the nineties, who was on TV, you know, there wasn't, there weren't any African-American people. And, you know, we, we're, you know, we get eaten in movies. So, yeah. and like, yeah, wolves yeah, chase yeah, you yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, this stigma and fear was created in my, in, in the communities I grew up in. And so that mm-hmm. was one of my big things, but you know, I, I guess we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just such an important point to make. And it, it, it will definitely make this interview unique in in the sense that, you know, we do have a lot of parents that listen and they do reach out to us and, you know, my children mm-hmm. love your podcast or, you know, they love animals. They don't know how to get involved. And, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, one of the things that you do too with education mm-hmm. is trying to get these kids off the computer, out of the house, doing other things, you know, right. it's a challenge. So getting them involved in something like ZooCore or like, you know, you, Growing up, you know, a little bit angry or whatever, a little, you know, rudderless, I guess. And now all of a sudden yeah. you just fell in love with these creatures. Right. And it's changed your life, you know, because here you yes. are today doing what you do. So right. that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the so, animals just, just brought me joy. Yeah, I know they do. They do. They do. They're just, they're so special. They're so special. So, you know, you, you said you were working as a zookeeper and, you know, kind of talk about, how you got into that field and where you are now? Yeah. So, um, my zookeeping path was a, you know, uh, not crazy long, but it was long and, 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 uh, it is pretty difficult to get in the, you know, a zookeeping position, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of zookeepers that let listen to your podcast will know. And, you know, most people don't just come straight out of college into a zookeeping job. And if they do, congrats to you. Cause it's, it's, it's a serious, serious road. We have to go through a lot of, a lot of free working, a lot of free work, um, a lot of free labor and, yeah, yeah. you know, internships. And so I did an internship at Point Defiant Zoo. Um, that was my, one of my first steps into looking at what a zookeeper is about. And then I had a role as an exhibit attendant um, at Willow Park Zoo at the same time that summer, um, and that was a that was a hard year because I was working forty hours wow. as the intern, and then I was doing like twenty four hours at Willow Park um, on the opposite days, you know. And it was pretty it was pretty insane. Um, but the exhibit attendant was like a step, you know, it's like a step below a zookeeper. You kind of help out and clean clean exhibit sometimes, you know, help with, uh, the, um, like the feeding opportunities for the public, like the rhino feeding. Well, it's now rhino, but at the time it was elephants, um, the draft feeding as well. Um, and then I worked as a keeper at Northwest Trek. Um, and before that I was at, uh, was at University of Washington doing the primate technician stuff. Mm-hmm. Just you know, basically animal care, just you know, cleaning, feeding, things like that. Um, 
and Northwest Trek was my first actual zookeeping, zookeeping job, and that was really fun. Um, Northwest Trek Wildlife Park. That was a it's a place on the way to to Mount Rainier if you're familiar with the Washington area, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, it's out there in the middle of the woods, man, and it, it's so much fun out there. <laughs> I worked with I worked wolverines, raccoons, oh, wow. beavers, otters, fishers, skunks. Um, Porcupines, I say beaver. There's, there's so many different, yeah. you know, so, so many different animals. It was a lot of fun there. Um, it, and uh, so I did that for a few years, and then I was able to get my keeping job at Woodland Park Zoo. And mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. at Woodland Park, I worked with you know quite the array of animals: um, savanna, so a giraffe, hippos, zebra, and then you know rhinos and you know bears. You know, uh, snow leopards, wolves, otters. There's there's a lot of different animals that I was able to work with. Tapers. Um, I can get. It's a pretty long list. I think. I think. Uh, I, well, I think it's just because I. Um, I think I, I want to think that I work well with others. <laughs> so I yeah. think. Uh, I think uh, people find that I'm you know, okay to have in their areas, you know, cause people get very protective right. over their areas, you know, and they do, they do as, as a, <laughs> as a part-time keeper, quote unquote part-time, even though I worked like almost full-time hours, I, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely roamed a lot, which was nice. No, um, it's funny. They do. They Zookeepers are so protective of their animals and that's, you know, for anybody that that's not ever worked in a zoo or been around it, they, mm-hmm. Keepers love their animals. They absolutely love and adore their animals. You could almost say they die for them. Yeah, they would. They would. <laughs> well, they would. Like, right, they would. Yeah, I mean, uh, I literally, I know, you know, uh, when I was in Texas and I was volunteering at San Antonio Zoo, mm-hmm. and who I was with at the time, you know, she, I remember we had a hurricane come in and she was like, oh, I'm going to go and take the cloud of leopard, which I think you just had yesterday on your Instagram. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love cloudy leopards. I love cloudies. They're so much fun. One of my favorite pictures. This is after Hurricane Katrina, so we'd all seen Mm -hmm. the devastation in New Orleans. And oh man, she literally was going to grab the male cloud leopard and stick it in her car and drive away. Well, you know, sometimes (laughs) it's what it takes. You know, like it's it. You know, every every I don't know. There's those those guys. Cloud leopards are amazing. I I got to. that's probably one of my best animal experiences was when I was around to, to help, you know, witness uh, raising cloud leopard cubs. And I got to play mm-hmm. with them and they use my head as a, as a licking post. Saw um, that. Saw that. You yeah. saw the picture. Yeah. Yes, you know, yes. think they would clam on me. <laughs> oh man. Those, oh, those things, those, those babies were so much fun. I, I miss them. Um, yeah. So just real quick. Cause it was, it was really cool to watch your live yesterday. Oh yeah, and you know you posted a, a photo of the skull, and you were asking your listeners, sure, or your followers, mm-hmm. you know what animal it was, and, and saber tooth cat came up because, interestingly enough, often. what they have they have the the largest canine of any cat species, correct? Uh, uh well, it's the large. So compared to body, compared to excuse me, compared right. to skull size, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in theory, yes, they do. Yeah, I guess I, I guess a, a tiger's canine is going to be bigger, but yeah. well, well, in theory, so it's 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 pretty much so. Okay, so if, I don't want to get too technical, but they can be the same length as a tiger, two inches yeah. long. So okay. that's that's okay. that's pretty insane. Um, yes, they <laughs> definitely the biggest tooth to skull ratio. 
There you go. That's what, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. So you, you explained it beautifully yeah. yesterday. And, and again, that's so cool. That's a good way to engage your followers, you know, right. to, to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, um, I, I didn't say where I was currently. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So currently where are we? So I'm at uh, Cougar Mountain Zoo in Issaquah. It's a, it's a smaller zoo. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty intimate. Uh, I've noticed it has a really, um, local feeling like, uh, like every, like the people of Issaquah feel as though that is their zoo. Um, and it just, it's just a very, it's a very nice, quaint little zoo. And it's really interesting for me to, to go from the bigger zoos to, mm-hmm. to a smaller facility to see how things are run. And, and, you know, it's all hands on deck. Literally everyone does everything. I, I feel like, but there I'm not a zookeeper. Um, I'm, I'm currently a, um, so my role is interesting. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's education, marketing, fundraising, promotions. So I run the social media. <laughs> I go mm-hmm. do outreaches, um, like with the schools, with, you know, talk to kids. And sometimes I bring animals. I, I have been training with some animals to, to, uh, to be able to take them out to the schools, um, and have them mm-hmm. comfortable with me. Um, and, uh, there are some plans for that, for that zoo that they, they plan on, um, extending the outreach program and, and making it bigger and a little bit more, uh, defined. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, it's a beautiful part of the country. I, I lived up there for a couple of years and so it, it's, uh, breathtaking. One of the most beautiful places on earth, in my opinion. And, and I've been around, Definitely. so yeah, it, it's so beautiful up there and you know, every day you get to, it's up the rain. You can keep the rain. <laughs> Well, you know, to be 100% honest with you, even though I'm from Seattle and everything, yeah. it's it doesn't phase me. But I, I could yeah. use some some sun year round. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I'm a I'm a California boy, so I'm spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So I, I guess one of the questions I had is is what's the most endangered animal you've worked with? <sighs> Let's see. I I was you know what I have been asked this question before, and. I, I think I've worked with a lot of common animals, um, mm-hmm. but if I had to think, I'd probably say greater one-horned rhino, snow yeah. leopard. I think clouded leopard would be up there as well. Um, yeah, I think those are three three animals that I know, and they're they're not even considered well. The rhinos, they're all technically on the IUCN as vul- vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, a good thing, but the clouded leopard is not really, uh, known. It's, it's semi, it's semi, uh, you know, the, there's not enough data to completely mm-hmm. back it up, um, number wise, but I think the most, the, there's two subspecies of, of clouded leopard, and I believe one of them has about two to three thousand, um, uh, of age, uh, mature individuals. So, but that number could probably be even less, you know, they're really hard to spot and they're very elusive cats. And from, right. from my experience, what I've heard is they don't make the grass, the, uh, the best mothers. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's what I've been, you know, what I've heard from a few different uh, folks. Um, which is one of the reasons why I think, um, they had to hand raise a few of them at point defiance. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think, I think I would say there's, uh, the, the, the greater one Horino because there's only, an estimated 3,500 individuals left. Right, 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 yeah. right. And it, it's, I mean, we're, we'll generally cover clouded leopards at some point in the future. They are amazing. And that part of Asia, you know, a lot of species are in dire, dire straits. So right. it would be interesting to, to really jump into the literature on them and then, you know, work with the rhino. And, and 
I guess the point of me asking that question is just that you are working with these endangered species because you are working at right. multiple zoos and, right. you know, conservation efforts and, and, and that's what you're doing. But I guess kind of rolling into your jungle Jordan, you know, that's kind of the meat and potatoes <laughs> of the interview. So right. what really got you motivated? Like, I, I mean, you love these animals. You've got a wealth of experience. Yes. What really made you say, okay, you know, I'm going to get on social media and start to make a difference. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, besides the fact that I love conservation and I want to protect these animals, there was a, a need. Uh, I felt I have gone through my, my career as zookeeper. I felt different, you know, you know, again, going back to the uh, African-American thing, you know, mm-hmm. I felt like I, I've been an outcast a lot. Um, there are certain questions that I get asked as an individual, you know, that, that are different that would be asked of, you know, a keeper of a different ethnicity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very specific, like emphasis on certain words, like, Oh, how did you become a zookeeper? Like it, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very subtle. It would be, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. wouldn't notice, but you know, it's, I mean, I, obviously I notice and I, I hear what they're trying to, what they're getting at, but they, cause they, they don't see, it's not often you see an African-American zookeeper, black zookeeper. Right. It's very right, different. Right, right. Um, especially over here in the Pacific Northwest, it's, it's very, it's very different. Um, and what spurred me to make videos was that I would always get questions like that. And I, I would always get people. I've had a few racist moments to be honest with you. Uh, and I know that's not mm-hmm. the, the, the goal of this, this, uh, podcast. No, no, that's no, not, no, it's no, not no, your, yeah. what, but, you know, there have been moments where I have been called out of my name and, you know, you know, second guessed people think that I'm like a garbage guy or whatever you call it. Like we, we used to call our team grounds and I've had people, you know, ask me to, you know, take, you know, clean after them kind of thing. You know, it's, it's very, I've had people call me a monkey. I've had, I've, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot. And, um, yeah, without going into too much detail, it's it's been a thing, and so uh, I used to make videos for zookeepers. You know, I used to make funny, <laughs> funny skits in which I know a lot of the zookeepers want me to do again, but mm-hmm. there's a different focus on my channel, so I, I can't really. I don't really want to make. Fun. I used to make fun of visitors, you know, guests, mm-hmm. like not like not <laughs> like in a mean way. I would just yeah, all yeah. I would do was repeat things that I would that I could I would hear. And I would pretend to be them, but I would never like act dumb or anything like that. I wouldn't, that's, that's really mean to people. Um, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how, and I also got my start with making, you know, how to become a zookeeper videos. And, and then, but then I realized I didn't see very many people like me. It became a goal of mine to try to recruit, uh, you know, with my videos to get different ethnicities and, and different, um, cultural backgrounds and, and just, just, just more diverse zookeeper, uh, uh, base. Um, and that's been a, a, a huge, huge, it's been of huge importance to me. Um, and just yeah. with, you know, the reason, the, the way I'm doing that is by just having myself be visible, having people see me, you know, as zookeepers, most of us, uh, like to stay behind the scenes and work with our animals. But me, I would take it upon myself to go out in public in front of my exhibit, talk to the people about my animals, walk around, you know, answer questions and, 
and just spread my knowledge that way. So people knew it, it, it was almost in a sense, not to sound, you know, like cocky or anything. I was just trying to prove something to myself. You know, I was trying to prove right. that I could do it. And I, I just want people to, to, I wanted people to acknowledge that we are capable as African-Americans of, you know, talking about the same stuff. You know, and right. as a as a kid, it was always a, a random joke goal of mine to be, have my own TV show. But who knows? <laughs> that yeah, might happen. I know. And, I know. I know. And it could change things. But I, that was always a joke growing up. No, I, it, it's listening to your story. And God, this even goes back to Stephanie's interview talking about women in conservation. Women, right? And yes, the challenges that that they that they've had in trying to get in some of these leadership positions and things like that. And on all these shows, I mean, I'm, I'm an older white guy and, and mm-hmm. but I still, I see it. I see it. Right. I've seen it growing up. I was in academia for a number of years. I saw how female professors or African-American professors were treated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah, you're right. It's not the goal it's of our podcast, but, but yeah, it, it's important issue not to, to hide and put our, our head in the sand. Like, right. Hey, you know, this is right now in this country, at least, you know, we have, we have problems. We have some major yes. problems and, yes. and Angie and I would love to spend time talking about them, but you know, especially current leadership, but that's a little, we you know it's a little political. political. <laughs> we, we, we stay away from that. We, we try there's other, right? other podcasts for that. There's other yeah. podcasts for that. Um, Animals. You know, but yeah, but, but looking at animal conservation, right. Yes. In Africa, if we go to Africa, the people doing the work are, are the Africans. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the they, ones. they, that's, that's the most amazing thing to me and, and how, mm-hmm. how they live with the land and respect the animals. It's, that's mm-hmm. universal over there in, in Africa. Well, it's not universal, but it's, you know, continent versal, whatever. That's, that's their knowledge and their base. They, they live with the land. And whereas in America, we just, we, you know, this is our land, you know, like this, yeah, we you know, it, yeah. we exactly, we just use it up. But Hey, I don't want to get too deep into that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're working towards a better future for everybody, especially Boom. those green kids, you know, the, the exactly. ones green kids, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll just call them. No, I think, I think it's important though. And just, you know, the community here in the United States to, to reach out to those communities and say, Hey, you know, you, you're just as important to conservation and you're just as important to the, the future of our country and our planet. So I think it's admirable what you're doing and, and brave, you know, put, put a word to it, you know, so thank you for what you do. And, you know, we, we need to tell these stories. And I noticed one of the things you love to do is you love to go and visit all these other zoos around the world, right? Yes, I'm trying to, that's, that's uh, a, yeah. it's a, it's a goal of mine, um, you know, but certain things hold me back a little bit. You know that thing uh, called money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, I know, I know, I know. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, and I, it's it, it is hard to do when you have a full time job and you know you have a you know you have uh you know have have the life you know that that I that I'm living currently. I mean, I, mean, I have a good life. Don't don't get me wrong. That sounds that sounded horrible. I have a really great life. Um, but I just want to try to expand um and and showcase zoos because I am. I'm definitely very, uh, you know, pro zoo. I mean, you know, but I feel like zookeepers, most zookeepers, I think I can say this and, and most, a lot of people would, would agree with me. Most of us don't want animals to be in captivity 
but mm-hmm. we see these animals, all these animals that we that we are taking care of, are ambassadors for their species. And in order for people to care about animals, I feel like they have to see them in person. A lot of I feel like it, it creates more, you know, empathy and, and people feel a sense of not ownership, but a sense of, you know, like like they, they I feel like they can help if they see the animal in person. It gets them to care, if that makes sense, without going on mm-hmm. like a tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, yeah, but it, it, it does. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. It does. Yeah, I think it's very yeah. important for them to see them. Yeah, so. and I... No, 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 no. It's 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 important. It's an important point, and I, and I know I ask it further down in the in the list of questions I gave you. But oh, sorry. You, no, no, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It, it's no, no, no. It's 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 good to to talk about it because you know you, you do go and see what these other zoos are doing. You have a wealth of experience uh, across zoos, and you know one of the goals of our podcast from the very beginning was to tell that story because right. Angie had a, a long zoo career, and I and I. I, I don't get paid by a zoo currently and right. I've, I've never been a salary employee of a zoo. I just have volunteered and, and I oh, love well. what they do. And as mm-hmm. a scientist, you know, I can see what, how critical zoos are to conservation. Yes. So it's good from your perspective to see. So I'll jump ahead to that question. What, I guess the first part is what have you seen that zoos are doing for conservation? And then the second part, would be what happens if zoos went away? You know, what happens? You know, I love, I love everything that, that a lot of zoos are are doing, especially what, what the the zookeepers um, input on a lot of these conservation efforts that people don't usually get to see. Like I know a lot of uh, zoos will send their employees out to, um, to different countries and different continents to either study animals or help with rehabilitation, oh my gosh, rehabilitation programs or, you know, just reintroduction programs like with uh, orangutans, you know, out there in Borneo or Sumatra, you know, they're out there raising these, these babies that are being, you know, caught up in, in, in traps and, 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 you know, try and captured as to keep as pets and things like that. Or, um, you know, I've seen like uh, Willow Park Zoo has the tree kangaroo conservation program um, that they do. They they go out they go out there and um, to to New, Papua New Guinea and they they help educate the locals. You know a little bit more about you know those animals or just they just to they 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 just go out there and, and explain the importance but the i mean the locals already know for the most part but mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. they're they're there to assist them and give them the tools that they could use to continue to keep those animals alive um you know cuz there there's a lot of stuff happening out there but um you know it's stuff like that that is not seen um which I'm sure a lot of zoos are working on to have it seen. You know, social media is a plays a big part. Um, they're starting starting to make you know make videos and vlogs of what they are actually out there doing to help showcase that. And and if those conservation efforts are gone by the zoo, like you know, not many. There's only a few folks like um, you know college professors and, and and things like that. Then you know people with PhDs are out there going to study them, but you know, what if funding dries up? That's one thing like one of, you know, certain zoos will help 
is fund these projects to keep, you know, the safety for the animals. Like in Africa, you know, there's like the, the whole rhino situation with like, like I know some keepers from LA zoo just went out there recently to help with the, the projects of keeping the rhino safe with um, trimming down the horns and, or, and, and, or uh, painting them. uh, So poachers don't go after them just just to kill them for their, for their horn. Um, Again, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> stop me. No, no, it's good. No, 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 no. I'll stop you. It's very interesting. No, you're right. Like, I, you know, shout out to Madison, you know, from LA Zoo. I, I, I followed her on Instagram and saw her trip out there and Global Conservation Force. Yes. Madison, know, Chelsea, all those guys that went out there. They're, they're amazing. They did some amazing stuff out there. Love you guys. Yeah. 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 And so. You know, I, I think that's important for our listeners that, that don't work in zoos and from around the world, you know, listeners in Asia that I think you said something very important. My ears perked up was the funding. Yes. And we can't do any of this without the money. You just can't. So, you know, the, the people that do go to zoos and pay admission and go, right? Right. Uh, you know, I was just about to steal the words out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, what people don't really realize is that, you know, there, most, a lot of zoos that have these conservation programs, a portion of each zoo entry goes to these individual programs and conservation programs that, that a lot of zoos are doing the quarters for conservation. They, you know, even though we, they take a percentage of every entry, like certain zoos will give you a little little coin to go put in this little slot machine and you can vote for what conservation program you want to, you know, you want your money to go to, but you know, to ruin, ruin some, some, uh, some dreams out there that just wouldn't be fair because a lot of, no, no. you know, some, some animals get overvoted for and others get left mm-hmm. out. Like, let's say, I don't know, Sandhill crane versus uh, tigers in Malaysia. You know, right. most people are going to vote for the tigers just because they're mm-hmm. cool, big, awesome animals and no one knows about cranes, sadly. But that wouldn't be fair. So they even out, they distribute the money evenly from what I understand. No, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, you do have the charismatic rhinos and elephants and those ones. But we always, you know, that's what I love doing about this podcast is talking about the lesser known animals, Correct. you know, that that people aren't don't even know their story. And then exactly. here they're like, Oh my goodness, I didn't know that, you know, and we learn everything each week. So I mean, a lot of people didn't even ex- know what tree kangaroos were. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. And, and, and they're adorable. Uh, I can't, I can't push our, our Patreon on, uh, in an interview, but we just released kangaroos to, to them. Oh, <laughs> nice. So I know. <laughs> it's a little plug, but, um, wow. No, we, we definitely will be covering tree kangaroos here. Uh, Angie's dying to, to cover them. So we will soon because they, they do have an interesting story. So of all the zoos outside of Cougar Mountain Zoo, what's your favorite zoo that you've seen or visited to lately, I guess, or before? Um, well, I would say my heart is always with the park zoo just because I grew up there, but mm-hmm. some of my favorites, I probably, uh, San Diego Zoo and the Wildlife Park. Um, and I, I really like Cincinnati as well. Um, I mean, but, you know, I haven't visited that many. You know, I still have so mm-hmm. many to go see. Um, right. So, you know, every zoo that I've been to has something very unique that they are really good at or multiple different unique things, you know, that I find very impressive. Like, for instance, it's not really 
animal care, but Cincinnati Zoo, their, their social media team is, is spot on. <laughs> they're amazing. They are, Just, you know, they I are. think the whole Fiona thing really, really helped them, but <laughs> they yeah, like yeah, on top yeah. of that, they're definitely still keeping up the, the, you know, the, the momentum. You know, when Fiona's almost two years old now, isn't she? So, I, <laughs> so I she's know, like, a, I know. she's an old hippo now. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, I know. But we, we but did those are all, yep. yeah. Sorry. No, I was gonna say we uh, we did interview Christine Gorgeous like way back when about the whole Fiona story. But Cincinnati Zoo, um, I have a really good friend, Dr. Aaron Curry, who's a researcher mm-hmm. there, and then Ron Evans, the the gorilla curator or the the primate curator. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we actually had them on wonderful interviews. If you haven't caught them, but they do amazing work. They do amazing work. I'm going to plug just real quick since we're talking about yeah, favorite zoos. Sure. Have, the Bronx Zoo. If, oh, I have never been, but I've watched a uh, lot of the. I've watched a lot of that show, The Zoo, um, mm-hmm. that first season with them, and that's that was that's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up in San Diego. San Diego is my zoo. LA's zoo is my zoo, but Bronx Zoo. You know, there's a plug for them. Amazing, amazing place. Uh, amazing exhibits. So really, really great. So you have this persona, Jungle Jordan. You're out yes. there educating people. I, I watched your video. You were in Indianapolis Zoo, I think, with a bunch of kids. Yeah. You know, what? So what's the most rewarding aspect of your work? Being able to pass on the information and and seeing them understand and you know and, and like uh, it's especially if they come back to me somehow, like if they see me at the zoo and they, they come back for another visit just because of an interaction that I've had. And like, I've had a lot of kids give me, you know, thank you letters and, and little, like <laughs> I have this, this thing uh, where there's a girl at, at Woodland Park Zoo, a young girl. Um, and she writes me book reports <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and just the fact that she's a little, junior zookeeper and she really really enjoys animals and and learning about them and i just see i I love seeing their faces light up and they walk away knowing something new you know because no one in the world knows everything and i still learn something every day which is why i do the minute monday because or excuse me not minute monday well that too but i do this segment called wild wednesday like you, like you mentioned it earlier, I'll post a picture of an animal zoomed in. And you have to guess what it is. And sometimes I'll, a lot of the times I'll pick an animal I'm not familiar with. Just so when I do my live stream with you guys revealing the answer, I can do some research about the animal with you and learn with you. Um, and, and just, just, just getting, Getting people excited to learn about animals, that's the most rewarding thing for me. And seeing that they're happy, um, you know, and, and them telling me they want to, they want to work with animals, that just makes me the happiest. Like, it's, it's, it's serious right. stuff for me. No, it, it is. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I mean, social media, and I don't know if the last decade it's the rise of social media, but you know, where we're going and, so the, the the work that you're doing and and the thousands of people that follow you and growing, yeah. you know, it, it it's make it makes an impact. It makes an impact, you know, and it's just bravo. I mean, bravo for 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 you know sticking your neck out and and starting that uh, with that. So where's Jungle Jordan going in the future? Like, where do you see yourself in five, ten years? 
<sighs> you know what? On a sunny beach. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm not even a beach guy. <laughs> no, I I really yeah, plan yeah, yeah, yeah. to. I want to start. You know, traveling. I want to get out there, and I want to do you know do more outreach uh, programs. And I want to go to schools and you know talk to kids. And I want to start traveling the traveling the world and 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 um, you know just 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 interacting with with the youth and and you know and in that kind of educational setting with, with, I don't know, you know, like almost like an ambassador animal keeper, but on a different scale, on a different mm-hmm. level. Um, mm-hmm. I really just want to continue to spread that message and it'd be cool if I could do that worldwide. That'd be, a, that'd be amazing. But in five years, I, I see myself doing a little bit more of, uh, just, just way more outreach locally and, um, you know, in, in traveling and, Hopefully, going to zoos and helping you know speak uh, to different groups at the different schools. Well, I've I've also learned that um, you know because I'm in the the Facebook page Zoo Creepers and a few different other Facebook pages and things, and I've been learning that a lot of uh, zookeepers of different backgrounds and diversity and ethnicities have been you know looking up to me, which is really cool. I, I never could see myself as like a, I don't know, as like a role model or anything. Um, and, and for some reason, I feel like social media gives people the sense that, you know, I am all knowing (laughs) and I'm like, I'm far from that. I don't know. (laughs) Like most of the people that like will ask me questions on there, like, know way more about animals than I do. And it's, it's pretty cool to, to see that, you know, I've I had, when I released, I released a video a while back called a black zookeeper and mm-hmm. it was amazing to see the response I got with that video and people like inboxing me saying they're, that they're happy that I did that and, you know, bringing it to light. And mm-hmm. that's actually how I went to my first ASAC conference last year was because of that video and my stance on diversity um, and yeah, I was, uh, you know, invited by, um, Justin Burkoff, who is, um, he works for the Cheetah Conservation Fund or he's, you know, affiliated with them. And, um, you know, he, he led a diversity, uh, panel, um, at the mm-hmm. conference. And that was, you know, where I got to tell my story also. Again, tangent. Where did we start with? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's. Trust me, after <laughs> doing forty some of these interviews, it's it's fascinating everybody's personal story and, and experience. And you know, you're talking about diversity, and and for for our listeners that aren't in the United States, I mean, the United States is a melting pot. I mean, we're all immigrants right. except the natives, exactly. you know, Native Americans that that have been here for thousands and thousands of years. So you know, getting different cultures involved. Uh, diversity. I mean, that's that's the fabric of our country, and despite politics and and the the racial tension that is just it's unbelievable in the 21st century we're still discussing this Correct. Thing, but it's real yeah it's real and it's out there and it needs to be talked about and i'll tell you the, the majority of this country is sickened it's sickened by people that you know are not tolerant so you know it's it is brave of you to do that and and the other point i wanted to make Trust me, Jordan. We, we, it takes me and Angie hours to prepare for a podcast. Oh my we don't just 
start talking. Yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> we got to go into the literature. Yeah, yeah. We, each species is different. The challenges they're facing is different. Their physiology is different. Right. So you know, every podcast we get, we go and and we spend a lot of time researching uh, that species. So so don't you're not alone. You're not alone <laughs> good, with good. all of this. Yeah, yeah. So. So with all the animals you've worked with, I, I did see the, the clotted leopard on your head. What are some other funny animal stories you might have? Oof. See, you know, some things that would be funny to me would not be funny to others. <laughs> like, I'm sure most of the people are that way. Like, you know, we, we have all these animal experiences that we just find hilarious. Um, one random one. Um, like, I've never been pooped on or anything like that, so I don't have any any poop stories. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I've never fallen in poop. I do have, I'm pretty sure footed. I'm, uh, <laughs> I do have, see, I used to work with a hippo named Lily, water Lily. Um, she was a nice big mm-hmm. old girl and, uh, at one of the park zoo. And, she, um, one thing she really enjoyed was, was neck or chin rubs, neck rubs, whatever. And I just remember, <laughs> Like rubbing, rubbing her chin with the little bristle brush. And, um, mm-hmm. she basically was falling asleep standing up. And, um, I remember, uh, just going, just going at it. And she was like making this little moaning, groaning noise. Like she was like, like, like snoring almost. And I remember why I, I was like, okay, I gotta go. And I stopped. And then she looked at, she opens her eyes just barely because her eyes were closed and her ears were down. <laughs> she opens her eyes and then like, Kind of like nudged back at the broom, at the, at the brush. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'll continue. And like, so it went like that for about 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, I really got to go. And then she was all sad and mopey looking once I was done. And I was like, I'm sorry. I got, I got, I got, I got to go feed other animals, you know? And again, that's not funny to, to many people, but to me, that was a very heartfelt moment that I had with, um, with Lily. Uh, oh, I haven't, I have a clouded leopard one. Um, so mm-hmm. cloud leopards, cubs are, you know, they're very playful and fun and, you know, especially when they're born with a, with a, with a sibling, uh, they, they like to have fun and run around and they are in this play yard and, you know, I'm just in there standing, docening inside the exhibit with them and, uh, they run around and pick them up and hold them around and show people and all that. And they run around and when they would do this thing, They'd, they'd be playing my, and I'd be minding my own business. They would do this thing called sharking. So that doesn't sound fun, does it? Mm-hmm. So no offense to sharks, but they did this thing called sharking. Yeah. And, um, they would just run past you and play with each other. But then out of nowhere, they would try to involve you in the play by just taking one paw and swinging it at you full speed, full force as they run past you. Like, you're not even involved, but they just want to, hey, okay, reminder, ha, gotcha. <laughs> like, they would just claw you. And I remember getting these three claw marks in my leg. Um, it wasn't like deadly or anything, but it was a, it was a, it was a good, nice, uh, nice sharp claw. Didn't, didn't feel great. Um, and I was wearing shorts because this is summertime, so I didn't have any khaki, haggy pants mm-hmm. on. Uh, and khakis are Azukiba's best friend, by the way. I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, yeah. they have to yeah, have yeah. pockets, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah so. Those aren't really that funny stories, but to me they were pretty hilarious. But my leg didn't really feel that that um, enthused. No, no. Well, I mean, okay. So my takeaway, especially the the hippo, mm-hmm. is the dedication that, and love that you have for these animals. Right. I mean, come on, it, it's 
you know, zookeepers aren't just, oh, here's your food. Let me pick up no. you know, your yard and clean up and move on. It's like you really care for these animals. Yeah. Like you really you make a bond. And they're, yeah, you do. You really do. They, they're very well taken care of. And that's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I was going to sneak this question in. Sure. <laughs> You've worked with Komodo dragons. Yeah. You've worked with clouded leopards, you know, predator. Mm-hmm. But... There is a special animal, quote unquote, on Earth that you just scares the snot out of you. Oh my God! No, I know where we're going with this. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yet in your videos, you have all these butterflies behind you, but for some reason, you're just scared to death of what? Moths. <laughs> I, just, I was totally laughing. I, I, they, okay. As a kid, I used to call them creatures of the night. Okay. Yep. So background story about moths is that at late at night, my mom wanted to make me take, take the trash out. Cause that was my, one of my duties, you know, as a, as a good kid, mm-hmm. I take the trash out and we'd have one porch light on and it was super dark cause it was always really dark and it was always fall or winter when, whenever this would scare me. Cause it didn't scare me as bad in the summer. Um, Mm-hmm. But it'd be so dark out there. And I, I, for some reason, I was also afraid of the dark. So, you know, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I would sprint. I would open the door and sprint full speed <laughs> to the garbage can and I would sprint back. And the, the moths, for some reason, would just fly straight at you, like all sporadic <laughs> and insane and like with their crazy little beady little wings and their little eyes and fly straight at you. And they just, I just, it just, I didn't, I didn't like things flying towards me. So like flying at my face was terrifying. So, and I also learned something new that a a coworker of mine at at Cougar Mountain Zoo was telling me that. So if you ever do a little science experiment, if you ever have keys and you're at your door, because this is the other reason how I learned, I would, when I got older, I would go to open my door with my keys, my, my, um, door to my house with my keys. Mm Mm-hmm. And there'd be moths, you know, just sitting or flying up near the light. And whenever you would make a jingly key noise, they would all of a sudden dip straight down. Okay? Oh. Random. So I yeah. learned this, that apparently the, the noise, the frequency of your keys jingling is similar to that of a bat uh, echolocation, the bat squeaks and all that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So... The initial reaction, for some reason, it's ingrained in the in the moth to dive when they hear that noise, almost as to evade the bat or to make it easier for the bat to get them. Like like the bat does it to confuse them. You know, I'm not certain. So a friend of mine did that test with keys, and they she like it was insane. She saw every time she jingled the keys, the moth would dip straight down towards the towards the ground. That's crazy. That is crazy. So, uh, how do you feel about bats? I love bats. <laughs> they just say, okay. Yeah, moths, bats are amazing. But moths. I don't know. Moths yeah. are just, though, they're, uh, uh, not for me. <laughs> I can, I can fake that it. Is... Like, if I was in front of people, I can easily fake it. That I'm not terrified. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. But butterflies are okay. Butterflies are fine because they, they're majestic and they fly calmly. They are. They are. Whereas moths they go are. straight they to your are. face. Unless it's, a, if it's a huge moth, like the big, Beautiful winged ones, I'd be okay mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, I think the lunar is it the lunar, the lunar moth? Yes, big, big one. Yeah, you really big them. Yeah, they're cool. 
Yeah, well, hey, as a kid, I was scared that Jaws was going to jump out of the carpet and eat you, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, Jurassic so Park was my thing. <laughs> yeah, I like, love Jurassic so Park, I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. So, and I guess just one more before we get to the final questions, sure. you know, the, the more serious, really deep questions I like to ask at the end. Sure. But you're a huge Disney fan. Uh, of course. I mean, yes, <laughs> Disney's amazing. My, yes. uh, someone special near and dear to my heart. She's, she's a Disney fanatic. So one day, uh, we'll get you together with her mm-hmm. and you two just go back and forth on who has the greater Disney knowledge. You know, that, that'll be trouble. <laughs> that, that would be, that would be tough. I mean, cause I, I'm pretty up there with my Disney knowledge. I, 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 let's see. I welcome any challengers and especially if my okay. wife is there. There's nobody that can beat us. I don't, well, there's, there are, there are some out there, but there's very few with our combined knowledge. We're, we're pretty, uh, pretty impressive with our Disney knowledge. Yeah. We, you know, we'll have to have you back on and we'll yeah. talk about Disney's Animal Kingdom. And oh, goodness. That does. would be a dream to work there. <laughs> oh, they're, they're amazing. It's a, it's a beautiful, uh, park. And when I lived in Florida and Angie's, you know, obviously is in Florida and, We've worked a little bit with them and mm-hmm. some of the conservation work they do. And it is, they do amazing work and Disney nature films are some of my favorite. So I will get you with uh, Pippa and we'll see who, who has more Disney knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's just something that my, you know, that, that we, my wife and I both loved even without each other. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when we got mm-hmm. together, it became just over the top. You know, now it's weird. Like, like right. my family is all upset at us that we go to Disneyland or Disney World like three times a year. Like, it's weird to them. Why don't you go anywhere else? I'm like, well, I like Disney. It's our thing. You know, so yeah. hey, get yeah. over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Disney is amazing. Grew up with it. Grew up with it. So, a couple more questions. You sure. know, so how do we convince others? Okay, from your experience and, and what you're doing out there and the people you're interacting with, how do we convince them? that saving endangered endangered species is worth it, worth the time and worth the money? Well, you know, you just have to make them care about the planet. I mean, they, they should already care about the planet, but you have to explain to them that those animals' roles in the ecosystem, that once certain animals are gone, ecosystems can crash. Like the biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest idea that I have or biggest concept is the, the whole fact of the wolves in almost any ecosystem, you know, they are the keys. They are a keystone species, you know, like especially with Yellowstone and we don't have to go, go into that, into those details because, you know, a lot of people know about that. I feel like, but Mm. you know, with the, the loss of wolves from Yellowstone, you know, you saw a decrease in, in the quality of life for a lot of the animals. Um, um, uh, the, there was a, overpopulation of elk and deer and the, and they're, they're eating all the, they're destroying the, they're degrading the, the rivers and, and, and things like that. And just, just, just disrupting the, like, you know, the, the smaller species, like the frogs and the, and all those little animals in there that rely on the rivers. And, and, but with the introduction back of wolves, back to Yellowstone, everything came back into balance. And, you know, there's always a series of ebbs and flows with, with wildlife, but it's important that keystone species are protected and people need to know that. And you just have to make them care about animals. And the way you do that is by just showing them, like showing your love for animals is it's contagious. And I've learned that like, like with me, 
I've learned people really enjoy my, my, my passion for animals. Like, like my genuine, I, I have a really genuine smile and what people, that's one of my, I guess one of my traits that people tell me yeah. is that, you know, I, I can't help but be really, I like people, you know, not as, you know, I, I like people almost as much as I like animals. Um, <laughs> and whereas with zookeepers, yeah, yeah. there's not many, there's not many, but no, I, I love people. It's very rare, but I love people and I love yeah. being able to talk to them about animals and, and I feel like it be, it's contagious and I feel like it rubs off on folks. So when they see your passion, it creates a passion. Cause people right. are like, it does, you know, it yeah. does, it yeah. does, it does. And I mean, that's a great example. And you know, all the species that you talk about or you work with, they all have critical roles, ecological roles. So yeah, it's, 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 I think it's an argument we're definitely winning. I would say yes, definitely. We're definitely winning that argument. It's just, we have to make it more and make it more public. So here's the next, the next one. And obviously I ask this of all of my guests mm-hmm. from your perspective, do we then have a moral obligation to preserve these animals? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really, I, I mean, like, I feel like everything I've said is, is, you know, it's yeah. very obvious Points for that up. answer. You know, it, yeah. it just, it, yeah. they are very important. Um, now, when you say we, do you mean us as a human race or us as uh, people who are working with the animals? Yeah, so I'd say, you know, it's a human race because we we dominate. You know, we're in the Anthropocene, the humanity, we dominate the planet. We've changed right. the planet. We're changing the planet. We are in, changing the, the planet. the negative direction. Yeah, so do we, is it our moral obligation, you know, and this is, it's a very, you know, I don't know that's why I would say it for the end, but should we? say, hey, we need to save the planet and, and save these animals. Yes, because, you know, we were not here first. And, you know, all we're doing is coming here, you know, a few thousand years old or whatever, how old, however old we are, and and we're just taking over the planet like it's ours. You know, this planet doesn't belong to us. We are all, it's, it's it belongs to everyone. You know, we, this planet... You know, we, we do play a significant role and we have the power to change how things, things are, are going. You know, there are things out of our power, you know, like all those, you know, uh, not, you know, catastrophic events, you know, like things that, that happen naturally, like tectonic shift, tectonic shifts and all that and stuff that we can't really change fully. But, you know, we just have to tr- try to limit our effect on, on our on our planet like you know greenhouse gases and all all that you know it's 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 we're doing we're doing better like for instance random little little washington fact is that we used to have have to get emissions tests for our cars to get to renew our um our uh our tabs or for our for, you know for mm-hmm. our car for our license and all that and, you know, that was a 50 year plan. I believe they, they, they had laid out or was it less than that? It might've been, I can't remember how many years it was a plan. And next year, as of 2020, we no longer have to get emissions tests because they reached our goal and, you know, passed our goal, um, mm-hmm. to, to try to, you know, clean the air up. Like if you come to Washington, we have some of the cleanest tastiest air mm. <laughs> you could you could bottle this air up and and i don't know <laughs> it's good air it's we really need good it. we need it in la we need it yes yeah, seriously we it's, it's some good air in here 
Right. No, it's true though, and it's it's there is a a movement that we've noticed in the last couple of years, especially like you know plastic free and say no to straws, things yeah. like that. It's just a message that. we need to keep pushing. So yeah. So final question. We're well over an hour. This oh, sorry, flown by. <laughs> no, no, it's flown by. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, how can our listeners help you? How can we? You know, I, you know, definitely where to follow you, but how can we help promote your message more? You know, just promoting my message is just uh, going to your local zoo and and learning as much as you can about the species. You know, I understand when people go to zoos for entertainment, but try to go there and you know, learn something new before you go, you know, try to, you know, even find like just an individual species and just decide, Hey, I'm going to learn more about this one today. You know, just, just, just your, your contribution to the zoo goes a long way. You just visiting goes a long way for animals, especially with those conservation uh, projects. And, you know, if you want to help me, you know, obviously follow me, <laughs> Jungle Jordan, yeah, yeah. 23, yeah, but, yeah. you know, but that's, that, that, that only, those are, those are numbers that don't really matter. You know, you know, I, I just, I just feeling, I feel like, you know, if you see, if you see a video on social media or wherever that's talking about certain topics, such as a functionally extinct koala, koalas, that was something that kind of blew up and that's not an actual mm-hmm. fact that wasn't, you know, it, it just, that kind of blew up and, and it, there wasn't really full data on that. Correct. So right. that's not actually the actual case with koalas. Right. So, you know, take the time and, you know, do a little research and look it up. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I feel like the term functionally extinct is a whole different, different topic that is hard to talk about. Right. Um, can have many meanings, but yeah, sorry. Again, tangent. No, no, no. It was, it was actually a very good video and it actually made me today post on Instagram, you know, that, you know, we did a qual episode and we, and it's one of the issues we talked about and mm-hmm. are they functionally extinct? Well, no scientists say no, it, it's a group that's fighting to save koalas and they're trying to raise uh, awareness. But and that, it's, and it's working. Know, it's it definitely worked. To it just, is, you know, it, <clears throat> it definitely spread awareness, but I feel like it's just, I, I, it's really tough when you spread false information because the mass, yeah. the, the mass majority of, of, of the public of people are not going to look up that fact. They're just going to believe yeah. what they see, you know, on, on the, on the, on the screen. But, you know, it, it definitely helped and, and it's, it's exciting. I, I'm happy that, that awareness has been raised for koalas. Yeah. It, and just we have to be careful with the boy who cried wolf so that we don't. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's a, it's a debatable topic. So it's not like, you know, wow, it's not completely false. Exactly. Yeah. You it's know, not it's completely true. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's like, it's like a gray area. We don't like gray areas. Yeah. Like yeah. Wendy's. So. No, no. Yeah. We try to present the facts and then we let our opinions bleed in every now and then. But it's Jordan. It, it, amazing. This has just flown by for me. It, it just, I would love to have you on again. Maybe we'll do like a Disney special or something. <laughs> Could <laughs> that be, be so much fun? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I'll get, we'll, we'll get Angie involved on that one. Okay. And, you know, thank you for taking the time to talk to us and, you know, it, it, keep it up, keep it up. Big fan. And we definitely look forward to, to seeing you grow and, and where you're going to be in, in five or 10 years. So take thank care. you. Thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye.